0: Hey, welcome to the Past Control Podcast. I'm your host, Brendan, and in this week's episode, we have a very special guest joining us. Myself and Jen had the pleasure of sitting down with Big Brother Legend, Twitch streamer, YouTube content creator, and podcast host, Dan Geesling. Dan is an amazing person. He's hilarious, he's the nicest guy you'll ever meet, and before we get into all of the antics we got up to in this episode, a few housekeeping things, and then we'll keep it moving. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by our good friends at Goodnight Fatty. If you're in the Salem, Massachusetts area on a Friday or Saturday night from 7 to 11, make sure to head on down to Higginson Square and get yourself a delicious fatty. And if you're unaware of what a fatty is, you can check them out on social media at Goodnight Fatty and educate yourself on these tasty, tasty treats. Our second sponsor for this episode is Beer Brand. Beer Brand is a premium men's grooming company with products not only for your beard, but also your hair and body. They formulate their products to work with your body's natural chemistry rather than to disguise or change it. Many competing products are formulated to address a man's insecurities rather than help them embrace their own awesomeness. And Beer Brand thinks you're awesome, and their products are designed to be, help you be the man you want to be. Our listeners can head over to BeerBrand.com and get a free sample of sea salt spray added to their order automatically. As always, you can find us on the internet at pasthecontroller.io, on Twitter, and on Instagram at pastcontroller, on Twitch at twitch.tv slash pastcontroller. You can join our Patreon, you can join our Discord, you can do all these lovely things. But without further ado, let's get into it. Episode 115 of the Past the Controller podcast with Dan Giesling. I mean again it's laid back. The vibe of the show Tuesday is morning, to always feel like hey you're walking in the in the living room with
1: us. Yeah, yeah. So so tell me what's uh what's the backstory of your show in a little context of you know how long your podcast's been going on and, and what your goals are and things for that.
0: Uh so passive controller's been a been a thing for since about 2013. We we basically it started as you know I listen to a few different podcasts and there was always something a product that i wanted to listen to and i felt like i could never find it um and what
1: product was that
0: just the show that i try to make which is again like feeling very laid back feeling like you're walking into a room with best friends who are just talking about video games and not like in a overly pompous way but you know they know what they're talking about a little bit mm-hmm. they're ribbing each other a little bit um so just that that type of vibe and i felt like there was very few and far between that i could find at the time when we started it
1: um but not like super highly critical like oh uh, this game mechanic really uh, didn't iterate very well between uh version one and two like that that's the kind of stuff you like yeah. to avoid only
0: right? if uh,
2: todd's on the show yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. There's,
2: there's one guy
0: yeah there's there's five of us that that kind of put this puzzle together i'm yeah. um, like the the main i'm the host basically i'm the one that kind of wrangles the troops and, and gets everybody on the same page and tries to get things going here
1: got it so you're like the producer organizer administrator host everything extraordinary by the way there's nothing wrong with in my opinion there's nothing wrong with like uh talking about mechanics on a higher level but that's that's what you're <laughs> trying to avoid that's that wasn't yeah. the focus of your show
0: i mean we de- yeah it's not the focus we definitely do get into that the nitty-gritty sometimes yeah. like, with certain games like overwatch or, or whatever yeah. and for some of our more vocal listeners they definitely let us know like hey that's enough overwatch like we get it you guys like overwatch
1: i got it cool all right man well that that helps it definitely helps on my end to give some context to your podcast to the people that will be listening you know from from my podcast feed so that's awesome
0: yeah um so i don't know if you already started recording but
1: yeah yeah we're going <laughs> okay cool
0: i wasn't i wasn't sure no um, it's okay it's headphones. it's it's super laid back
1: on this end too so it may even be more laid back than how you you're used to laying back so i may be you may be at like a 45 degrees i'm at like 180 just like a straight oh. line you know okay all right. all right
0: i'm on board with that um well, that kind of kills my normal intro. Then. No, no, don't you no know, give us no give just us your normal it, intro because
1: like, I think people like to see like the banter before the show, and then, <laughs> That's then the show starts now. So, so do your thing, man.
0: Cool. So, I mean, basically, Jen, you're not normally on like a full length show. You usually just kind of pop in from I, time to time. I
2: usually add my snark and then go my separate way from yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't I'm see Jen
2: on the, the team page. I see Brad. I
1: see Ty, I don't see, why doesn't Jen have a
0: a picture on the contact page or team page? To
2: be clear, it's been urged by the fans. It has been. I'm just very elusive.
0: It has been urged by the fans, it's been urged by me, Uh, but alas. Uh,
2: I'm brought in as the Big Brother expert today. I know my fair share of Big Brother. All right, not so much the video game expert, but I'm usually more of a clueless gamer, which people also seem to enjoy
0: fair enough i I understand i get it yeah (laughs) but but the main reason why jen is here is you know we got a special guest today our true renegade (laughs) uh (laughs) and jen couldn't she had to finagle some work things just to be here for this um for our listeners you may know dan from big brother 10 bigger brother 14 or maybe any of his you know suite of gaming content whether it be youtube twitch or his podcast that he launched recently but uh you know dan we we're so gracious to have you on here we're happy that you able to take the time out of your day to to come hang with us for a little bit hey it's
1: my pleasure thanks so much for inviting me i appreciate
0: it uh so why don't you give like a quick little maybe like a 30 second like who's dan for the listeners yeah the yeah conference.
1: so a lot of people unfortunately a lot of people know me from going winning a reality tv show i was on it twice and uh since then <laughs> no it's i said okay. for no i said fortunately fortunately oh, okay. yeah fortunately fortunately because i'm very fortunate for the whole experience which we'll get into that but anyways i won a reality tv show and went on it a second time got second place and uh, i knew coming off the show you know i had a little bit of a social media following and i knew i didn't want to talk about big brother for the next 20 years of my life but Long story short, I connect with the individuals like, hey, people play video games and live stream them on the internet. I'm like, this is amazing. So in 2012, I started doing that, and uh, you know, over the past years, you know, I've have a couple thousand YouTube videos. My Twitch show has evolved over time, and so basically, what I do now is I produce a show Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays on twitch.tv. And really what slash Dan Geesing, what we focus on is having a clean show, meaning there's no swearing, so you can watch at work or with your family. Keep it very positive, because there's like very positive, and I try to make it as entertaining as possible. My whole goal for the show is that people can tune in to the show, and when they leave the show, they walk away smiling, or maybe even forgetting about, you know, all the crazy stuff going on in the world or in their life. So basically just provide someone a place where they can escape have fun walk away a little bit more positive or a little bit or smiling just a little bit more than than if they hadn't gone to the show so that's my whole goal with the show we have a lot of fun with it i get pretty goofy and uh that's what i'm up to now so <laughs> that, I
0: mean, that, that's that, a hell of a mission statement for, yeah, your, for your show
2: that's great house well, control usually has the adverse effect on people What? <laughs>
0: <I'm just kidding. laughs> no well, well i've been streaming
1: on twitch since 2012 and it like I had gone through so many different you know f- stream formats and show formats and really about a year and a half ago i really kind of buckled down and said all right what can i do that will separate you know the show from a normal stream and what do i like to do and and what do i want people to walk away with and it really wasn't until i focused on that about a year and a half ago that i really started to see some serious growth on twitch and uh, it's been really good and, and the community is grown and. And really kind of focusing in has really helped out on a lot of different ways.
2: It's cool. It's not, it seems like you're a pretty nice, positive guy. So it (laughs) seems like really you just (laughs) stuck, like you're laughing, but (laughs) it seems like you kind of just stuck to being yourself and like, what's true to you. And once you did that. Things are just organically
1: growing. I'll tell you what, this may sound a little like ironic or weird, but it wasn't until I was like truly being myself on Twitch and on my show that like things really started to grow. Like I would always maybe like hold back a little bit or worry about like, you know, this is a little too goofy. But like I just mispronounce words. I just do a lot of crazy stuff and, and I feel like as as odd as it sounds, like the stream version of me is about like me with like completely not caring what anyone thinks. And it's kind of like you said, people resonate with that. And and it's taken me a while to get to a point where like I 100% don't care what people think. And I'm not saying like what the live audience thinks, because that's really important what they think, because they're who you're producing the show for. But really kind of people in my everyday life where it's like, hey, what is so and so going to think of this? You know, and it's like I got to a point where I don't care because it doesn't matter, you know, and it sounds kind of like weird or like mean, but it's like if you let like the thoughts of, say, you have a family member. Well, why are you doing that? It's what's what makes me yeah. happy, you know, so it doesn't yeah. matter what you think of it. You know, and you want to respect the person, but at the same time, you don't want that person to affect how you produce your podcast or what you may say in the podcast. If it's if you're being true to yourself, I feel like, uh, you know, you're, you're going to enjoy it
0: nonetheless.
2: Yeah,
0: 100%. Yeah, I mean, I you and I share a lot of the, the same things in that regard, because one of the things, you know and not to be too inside baseball for people who don't care about like what goes on behind the scenes of this type of stuff. But, you know, one of the, one of the models that I always keep in place is, you know, I want, I want people that come back week after week and listen to an episode to like understand who each person, like we're being ourselves, but also being ourselves is a character in some way. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I want the listener to understand each character so like when when mike is you know pretending like he doesn't care or you know talking down to the fans (laughs) doing doing typical mike stuff or you know when i'm just trying to wrangle everybody together and like i I want people to like get it that it's not like a like a faux pas we're not like putting on a we are putting on a show but we're also being true to ourselves in the same regard got you um so before we dig deeper into gaming and streaming uh let's let's cut back to dan as the big brother player okay and to give you a little bit of backstory on on my experience because you're you're talking to two huge big brother fans but one that's been a big brother fan for have you watched every season jen
2: uh yes i certainly have excuse me (laughs) Uh,
0: so one humongous you know long time big brother fan and a relatively new fan in myself and when I started watching big brother. My first season was 16. So it was Derek's season. So a great season to start on, by the way. Uh, but watching Derek I, every season since then, I was always like, all right, well, Derek's easily like the best player that's been on the show so far that I've seen. And that always, you know, Jen and her family are always like, no, like Dan is the best player of all time. Like
2: <laughs> it was a heated debate within my household for a couple years. And uh, he had no say because he had not seen your season.
0: Which (laughs) we have changed. And I have watched season 10 and most of season 14. Um, And I will say this, is that after all the, oh, Dan's the better player, oh, Derek's the better player, whatever, I think that both of you played such masterful games, but both of you played such different games and were in different households that it was almost like, It's not fair to put you guys against each other, if that makes sense, Uh, simply because, you know, Derek played a more behind the scenes game and was kind of more in the shadows where you from the beginning, you know, you chose a side with Brian. You kind of got thrown into the wolves and you had to fight week to week out in the open and make all of these masterful moves, but also while showing face and people knowing that you were like a target the whole time.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. I mean, I look at it as like a couple ways. Like you look at it as like an armchair quarterback, you you look at two players that will never play in the same field ever. So how do you compare the two at the yeah, same exactly. at the same time? I always like to say, I, you know, I got to see him play again. You know, if if you want to be in the conversation, I feel like you got to play twice. That's my opinion. And uh, you know, I'm friends I with Derek. It. I'm, uh, you know, <laughs> he, he's he's one of the people, and I don't I, I don't get super involved in the big brother, like house guest community, not, not mm-hmm. for any particular reason, but I've always kind of kept in touch with Derek and, you know, I'll poke at him a little bit, ask him when he's going to play again. But at the same time, it it's, people need to understand that to go in the, sh- into the show, it's extremely life altering. And if you have stuff going on, you know, it's really disruptive for that, whether, you know, you're married, you have kids, you have a job, you know, so it's really, really tough. And, I don't think you ever see it, but I think what's cool now is that, uh, you know, something I, I really enjoy about Derek is that he gives back to the Big Brother community. He's always live tweeting. He's into the current season, and that's what I always, you know, when I talk to people that come off a reality show, I'm always like, hey, you can always have a place in the community if you contribute to the community, meaning you you provide commentary or insight on what's going on in the current season. For me, I, I just. I don't want to say cringe because I don't cringe, but I always like h- hope people understand that you know people don't want to hear about season ten third week veto competition in twenty eighteen. You know they don't, yeah. and so it's like so people <laughs> <are> like
2: <laughs> <I'm just
1: kidding. laughs> but, yeah. I mean I, I don't mean to to, to dissuade no, people that do, no but I'm just kidding. Yeah, but it's like you know just add to what's going on now, and that's like, like a better way to stay involved than like keeping and talking about your season, which is kind of yeah. what, what, what was, I knew what I, I didn't want to do is like, I really enjoyed both experiences. The first time I played in one, it was a lot of fun. The second time I played, it was a lot of fun, but also a lot of work. And I I was married at the time. And so I knew when I walked away, like I had done it all for me. Like I had, it always been a dream for me to go on the show and play since I was like 16 years old. I found a way to do that somehow miraculously found a way to win and then when i walked out the first time i had an inner innate desire i'm like i got to play one more time and that happened again and it's like okay i was i always can compare it to this metaphor and it's not in a self-aggrandizing way but you have personal goals for yourself you kind of climb this mountain and mm-hmm. like you i climbed the big brother mountain for me and it's like do you ever hear about someone climbing mount everest twice you know what i mean you just i'm looking for the next mountain and like not, yeah, and I'll, i'm always I'm extremely grateful for the opportunity and I always love it and cherish it. But for me I'm I'm looking to the next thing w- with the rear view mirror on of, of being grateful, but and to me that next thing I'm working on is building my, you know, gaming channel and in gaming presence online. But I don't wanna divert the the interview yet off of Big Brother because I'm sure Jenny has some questions. <laughs>
2: I promise we will keep the Big Brother stuff. No, it's no. That's the thing. A, and, and like, n-
1: no, I I love it because to me, I look at it as as a couple of things. One, I'm very grateful for the experience, and that you yeah, know, when people, whenever I get a chance to talk to them if they're a Big Brother fan, like, of course they want to talk about that, and I'm fired up to do that, and yeah. I never take that for granted. You know, people will come in the Twitch chat and be like, "Hey, Dan, are, I'm new. Can I ask you a question about Big Brother?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure, let's do it." You know, it's it to me, it's like. It's like a gateway drug, right, so if someone is is fired up to talk to me about Big brother and they happen to like gaming, well then you know hey it, it's cool, we get to connect, and if they like gaming cool, the worst case scenario though is I interact with someone, you know, answer their questions, we hang out, and they walk away like smiling. you know that's the worst case scenario, which is awesome, so it's it's yeah that's why I just enjoy it it's it's I always like I ask my wife the other uh the other night she was watching an interview with Andy Cohen and Sarah Jessica Parker. And there were people calling in asking Sarah Jessica Parker about, you know, Carrie Bradshaw, who's a character on sex in the city. And I go, yep. I go to my wife, I go, do you think she ever gets, she gets sick of answering those questions? And she's like, she's like, do you? I'm like, no, I don't. You know, cause it's always an opportunity to connect with someone. And it, and at the least, make them smile. So that's kind of how I feel about that. So fire away, Janet. Because if yeah. you've been watching every season, I'm guessing you probably got some.
2: Some. I I got a few. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll keep them pretty, pretty easy for you. I won't dig too deep. But uh, to kind of piggyback off of the Derek thing, mm-hmm. I know that you used to say Dr. Will was your favorite Big Brother player. Mm-hmm. Has that changed?
1: So it's changed. It's changed because when I had a chance to play the second time. And if you don't watch Big Brother, the second time I played, I got a chance to play with three other extremely um, good, great players, but had a lot of notoriety. So like when I saw Mike Boogie walk in and Janelle walk in and Brittany (laughs) walk in like that's like a fan moment for me. I'm like, I got a chance to play with these iconic players and I had such a great appreciation for all of them. And uh, in particular, Brittany's super underrated, but to play with Janelle, like as a kid, if you'd watch Janelle play, like she was this like blonde bombshell who was smart and would just dominate competitions. So to have mm-hmm. a chance to even play with her and then take a look at, at her history, she made it to, I think the finals or the final three, two times. And I know how hard that is. So I just, I have a m- deeper appreciation for a lot of different players now. Um, not just the one. All right.
2: Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: But um, I will say this. Just... I, will, I will say this. He had because because I, I know like that's kind of like a glossed over answer, so I want to give you something a little bit more real. He definitely yeah. had a drastic impact on me wanting to be on the show and definitely yeah. how I played the first time. So to even and, okay. and to this day, there's a couple Easter eggs I did on both seasons in both that pay homage to him that I still don't think oh, every, everyone's picked up on. And I'm big into that. kind of thing. Again. Yeah. yeah. You realize I now have to watch season 10 and 14. Again, right? yep. Yeah. Just as like a subtle nod to him because he's kind of like, he paved the way to, to, for me to even have a desire to play, because I watched survivor. I'm like, yo, yo, I have no desire to do this. Like yeah. I like the concept. And then big brother came along and someone won who wasn't super athletic, but just was really smart and how he tried to, you know, play chess with people.
0: Yeah. So to kind of piggyback off that, I so we've been kind of going af- after we finish your seasons, We're kind of just looking at other seasons to watch. Mm-hmm. Is there a specific season that you'd recommend as like so I've seen 16 to 20 mm-hmm. celebrity your two seasons? Like, is there a favorite season that you think I should I should head towards? Is it, is it Dr. Wills or
1: so? Like, I, I feel like some of them stand the test of time. I feel like season two is like is a little bit it's like watching not even on vhs this is no disrespect to anyone on season two or anything but it's not even like watching on vhs it's like watching it on like real to reel you know film and, and it's just because like the house is small the competitions were like yeah hey, throw a cd into a floating Uh, Tupperware container on a pool yeah and like I'm not even making that up (laughs) so to watch like season two and stuff I like seven I'm a huge fan of 11 I think 11 from a narrative standpoint everything that happens is super entertaining and uh, so I I really enjoyed seven and 11 are a couple of my favorite seasons but seven you have to have some context of like who all the players are otherwise it's I mean it's still good but if you don't have the context of their previous seasons it's not as good
2: OK, so I'm assuming you watched at least some of this past season.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I always try to watch. It's tough now because the decision I have to make and I shouldn't. It's it's tough, but not really. It's either. Hey, I watch TV or I work on, you know, streaming and creating videos. Yeah. So, like, it's, right. a, you know, it's a time suck. For yeah. Because sure. it's on three days uh, a week. But but I'll always watch the big episodes, double evictions or a show where the vote, you don't know where the vote's going to happen. Uh, but I yeah. I stay updated via Twitter. Because yeah, I always keep an eye uh, on what's going on in the house.
2: That being said, I won't disclose what I think yet, mm-hmm. but do you think Tyler deserves to be in the ranks of the Derek Dan conversation?
1: Well, I think. No.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, feel that way too, but I, I was going to wait for that. <laughs> I think
1: he, he was a really fun player to watch, and I think the reason why this season was so good is because you had zero returning players. So you had people experiencing everything for the first time, and it wasn't tainted by someone saying, oh, like – you know, during it, – it, when you have returning players in there, it taints um, the naive – I don't – people being naive to things. And so it, yeah. it it makes for a less enjoyable experience. And I think Tyler's one of the first players you saw go in there and kind of play really hard and not have to worry about a crazy twist or, uh, or you know, a returning player. With that being said, though, I think, you know, the people you mentioned had won the show. And he had, yeah, he had right. won the show, you know? <laughs>
2: Uh, I was
0: not rooting for him to
2: win. So I enjoyed watching him only because I feel like recently on Big Brother Seasons, everything is a backdoor. Mm -hmm. Like week to week, it's backdoor after backdoor. Once somebody is backdoored, they give up. They don't campaign. They don't get themselves out of like tricky situations anymore. Mm -hmm. They just consider it a death sentence. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Tyler at least maneuvered.
1: Yeah, I, I yeah, y- tricky. you. That's know, at
2: least entertaining.
1: Yeah, you know, I respect that because I believe at any point you can do anything to get yourself out of trouble in the show, mm-hmm. and even in like not necessarily in trouble in real life. But I feel like if you if you really work at something and you don't give up, you know, I I feel like over time you're gonna win. And and like to me, that's like even kind of how I look at Twitch. Like I started out on Twitch, you know, I was mm-hmm. fortunate to have like a little bit of a following, but like it's not even comparable to now. You know, I mean it's, and it's not because, like, anything magical happened. I've just been grinding it out, getting better at Twitch. And, and I feel like that's kind of what you look at with Tyler. Like, he never gave up. He kept fighting. And, and I think that's fun to watch on multiple levels. You you just never want to – even, like, when people do, like, the the speeches at the end. You know, some people just mail it in. You could throw some crazy yeah. stuff out there, and you never know what can happen. So I always like seeing players that scratch and claw and fight until the the
0: bitter end. Yeah, or host their own
1: funeral,
0: you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a legendary move. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs>
2: um, I have another question. This one might be a little bit more lengthy, so mm-hmm. forgive me. Mm-hmm. If you could do anything differently, both seasons that you were on, what mm-hmm. would you do?
1: So season 10... You know, I was I was very shocked that it was unanimous. So I don't think that there was if I were to do anything different in season 10, I might have made maybe taken a few more mental snapshots internally in terms mm-hmm. of like remembering some of the really fun moments that were not off camera, but like not on an episode. And I think season 14, the only thing I could have done different, which I tried to do, was try to bring at least one coach to the jury, an additional coach like a Brittany or, or um, I mean, uh, Janelle or Mike, but I tried to yep. do that, you know, and, and I feel like in hindsight, in the while I was playing, I thought I had a really, really good shot to win, and in hindsight, like, a lot of dominoes had to fall the exact right way to win, and, and I feel like there's been a little bit of a change since that season is that if you – the juries are starting to reward players who play really – quote unquote, nice, meaning they don't make a lot of adverse moves against people and win competitions versus, you know, playing a Machiavellian style game. And I don't think there's anything inherently wrong either way with that. I just think that that's how it is. And if there's someone who wants to play the game now, that's how I would play the game. Now, I could never play the game that way. But (laughs) if you're playing as a new player now and you want to win, I would say, play it like Casey. Win a lot yeah. of competitions, don't upset a lot of people, and you're going to nearly guarantee getting enough jury votes. And I and I feel like if we were going to see that not be a trend, Tyler would have won. But, you know, the past, even with, like, the Paul seasons, like, that's the trend of the show. And and I don't think you can be – you can be angry at it, but I look at it objectively. Like, but this is how it is it's going to be extremely difficult if near impossible to win kind of playing that style of game anymore. And so you either adjust or you continue to take L's. And and so if I were to play again, like that's how I would play to try and win. But I don't, that's not in my DNA to play that way.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, especially watching the end of season 14, that was one of the things that like, and I, we've I've seen it in other seasons since then a little bit, but I feel like, You know, like you said, there's no right or wrong way to play. There's, you know, I never felt like you did anything that was mean or, you know, you never attacked somebody personally. You did some things that got you to the end of the game, but was never like a malicious thing to hurt somebody or, you know, to inflict any sort of emotional pain on them. And I felt like...
1: yeah, no, I was going to say that was something that was important to me. In season 10, I was a teacher, so I knew I had students watching me. And the second time I played, I was aware that, hey, one day if I have kids, they're going to watch this. And they're mm-hmm. going to say, well, daddy made fun of this person, so I'm going to do that. And that's why I like and, – and, or daddy was vulgar. and so. But I just I, – I'm not like that normally. Like I don't really make fun of people, and I don't swear I'm yeah. not vulgar. So it was kind of just like it reiterated to me like I'll play this as hard as humanly possible – without embarrassing someone or making fun of someone or making them you know feel like whatever because it's just you don't need to do that and I feel like that's the the gift and the curse of Big Brother I feel like you can see that at times and sometimes it gets really hard to watch a season when someone gets isolated or they you know get embarrassed Cause it just yeah. doesn't. To me, it's like that's not why I enjoy watching the show. But I, yeah. it happens, you know. I, I think you know. There's some seasons where you like, like, man, that they were really mean to this person, and and yeah. you kind of feel for that. It's person. hard to watch. Yeah, you know. But especially that's
2: especially in like such enclosed place. Yeah, because you can't sure.
1: you can't get away, you know. And that's what like, I don't know. Even with if someone's coming at for me, even if someone's coming at me hard in the game for two reasons, I always tried to maintain an open relationship with them where we could talk because one, we're human beings and I didn't ever want there to be like any of this like weird animosity. And two, I knew that at any given time, as long as you can talk to someone, anything can happen. You can maybe pull out a Hail Mary and, and get a vote from them, or maybe they'll do something you don't expect just because you weren't at like death blows with them over like spilled cereal or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I think the Big Brother game, as cheesy as it sounds, can parallel life a lot. So I think a lot of times if people are insecure about their game, they're more likely to personally attack somebody else. Which I think kind of reflects in life too. So I think the best players are the ones that don't have to take it there to, you know, lash out at somebody because they're feeling a little bit insecure.
1: Yeah, no, that's an interesting take. I never thought about it that way. And and I will say this, it's not easy, but you know, cause there's moments there's like, I can think of like maybe one, maybe two moments where I cracked a little bit and it's not easy. Yeah. Like it's, it's like, no. but, um, Imagine not if you're saying the focus,
2: same people for three months, right? <laughs> two, three months.
1: Yeah. But it's, I mean, it's interesting, but that, that, that environment is, is meant to cast a light on you and, and really kind of expose you, but that's what you sign yeah. up for. So you better be prepared right. if, if you're going on right. the show.
2: Do you ever miss playing? Do you ever miss uh, what I call gentle manipulation? So like do you find yourself in your everyday life maybe like leaning back on some some big brother strategy like you're in a Starbucks line and all of a sudden you've convinced two people to cut them and they leave, you leave they're just <laughs> blindsided or like your kids are like, did I just convince myself to go to bed without dinner? Like (laughs) what's going on? Is there any way where like you see yourself being like, all right, I I think I can pull this off.
1: Well, I think there's like, this is the best way I can describe it. I think some people are physically talented. Some people are intellectually talented. And for Mm -hmm. whatever reason, as a kid, my mom always said I was always really quiet, but I would listen to everything. And I was really kind of a shy kid, but I feel like socially, like I'm very in tune. And, So I don't think that ever really goes away. But in my real life, I try to use that to, you know, benefit people, you know, which is why I really enjoyed coaching football. I, you know, I could do things like that for the benefit of individuals. And I kind of do that, you know, I do that now in terms of like, even with the Twitch show, I try to do stuff to like influence people to have a better day or to maybe look at something a different way in in terms of like, hey, how come you're not salted that, you know, maybe this hacker just shot you in the middle of a game because I'm like, I just have perspective where it's like, hey, look, I'm I'm having a lot of fun. And so like I'm trying to just I do that stuff, but I do it to make other people either feel better or, you know, kind of move the needle on them being a little bit more happy. So in a way I do, but I don't really do that. You know, I have a, a real life business that I run. I don't talk about it on the Internet, but, you know, there's I do some negotiating that I do that kind of stuff in, but it's never mm-hmm. to, to the effect of like you know <laughs> what you see when you're like
2: full, full out tricking someone. Yeah, because it's
1: not yeah. like I'm not playing for a half a, a board game with humans for a half million dollars. But at the same time <laughs> if if we sat down to play Monopoly or Settlers of Catan or whatever, like I'm going hard. You know, I'm I'm you know, I'm not gonna sit there and play nicey nice, but um right. but no it's interesting. I do that stuff. to answer your question, yes I do that stuff, but for completely different reasons in my everyday life.
0: That would be an interesting set of streams for you to do would be like a, like a settlers of Catan monopoly or something strategic and, you know, either get some of your closer like gaming community people, or maybe some big brother people and like stream that. I feel like that would be very entertaining.
1: Yeah. So we did. So there's this group that I, like I'm, I wouldn't say loosely, I'd say mildly, strongly associated with it's called the NLSS. And we did a, uh, a series on civilization six, I believe on YouTube and it was kind of yeah. just that, like I'll, it turned in. If you're not familiar with civilization, it's it's kind of like uh, I mean, it's like an in-depth risk as, as if you're yeah. unfamiliar with it. And it kind of turned into that. There were six of us that played. We recorded it and streamed it. And uh, I, I don't know if I ended up winning, but I ended up getting a lot more resources and land than I ever should have because I was able to kind of <laughs> I didn't really play the the board game. I played like the, the diplomacy game and it was a lot of fun and I'm surprised a lot of people enjoyed it because I kind of felt like I was maybe like pulling the mask off a little bit and, and letting the big brother side out a little too
0: much. <laughs> yeah, I was not wrong with that. Yeah. I, I think that puts you in a in an interesting situation. I mean, obviously, you know, being on reality TV twice and being a winner, being somebody that, you know, a lot of people regard as, you know, the greatest, if not one of the greatest, you're definitely in that conversation. It, it gives you, you know, it obviously gives you a bigger platform to start. But I think... Uh, you know, being able to diversify and being able to still interact with stuff regarding Big Brother and pull it towards, you know, what you're currently doing with Twitch and YouTube and in your podcast, I think that will only continue to grow your audience. And like someone like Jen, who, you know, is mildly interested in, in some of the video game stuff that we do and all that, but, you know, the other day when I threw on your stream, it was like she heard your voice and all of a sudden now she's (laughs) sitting down watching the stream with me.
2: you're blowing up my spot over here. (laughs) Well, no, I just
0: think it speaks to the importance of like if someone likes Dan, that's a, that is like you said before, the gateway drug in to getting into your other content.
1: No, I appreciate that. And thanks for, for dialing in, Jen. It's it's funny though you talk about the voice because, and it doesn't happen often, it, you know, like every now and then, like a handful of times a year, I'll get recognized. And it just happened. I was out to eat this past weekend and I was talking and, and the manager went by. She's like, I know your voice from somewhere. And like, I look like an everyday average, you know, like there's nothing like super unique about me. And she's like, "Did I go to high school with you?" I'm like, "No." Nah. And she's like, "But I know your voice." And it's like, it, out of everything, for whatever reason, I don't. It's the second time I've heard this in a week. It's like my voice, and I'm like, my voice is just kind of like everything about me is like middle of the road, mid Midwest. So it's it's funny that to hear that from Jen
0: as well. Um. So before we transition out of Big Brother stuff and into everything else, the last thing I wanted to say was I know you know recently in in another podcast you episode you put up you talked about how you probably would never return to the show just because you have other things going on you have a life you have a wife kids and it would be hard to step away for that amount of time is there anything that would ever like pique your interest like if like a jeff schroeder segment or like interviewing the um the jury or potentially even hosting the show if julie ever decided to to walk away from it would anything like that ever get you back on big brother or
1: i think i I always enjoy going back if it's something cool like uh yeah you know like i and i would no it was cool it was like so they reached out to me like a year or two ago and they're like hey we're gonna shoot this movie trailer with and turn everyone into super you know superheroes i'm like The Avengers. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, all right, I'll do that. That sounds cool. Um, Yeah. So I always like, I always enjoy doing that kind of stuff every now and then. But I think it's, it was really funny that. um, So I started the podcast and I did this like 10 year anniversary. Big Brother 10 thing on my Instagram live and I started to see all these messages because I keep a close eye on feedback because I always like listen to feedback and alter and change things. And and I got a lot of feedback, just some some messages out there that weren't even like that. I just were brought to my attention like, oh, hey, Dan's doing this, this 10 year Big Brother reunion because he's auditioning to be the host in place of Julie and I'm like sitting back and I'm like la- I'm like are you guys kidding me like <laughs> like to host a national tv show it requires an immense amount of talent and experience doing that and while I'm flattered you guys think this is some like not not you guys but the people that put the message I'm you guys are flattered I'm flattered that you guys think this is some ploy to like a, a pitch to CBS I'm like I would want them to hire a professional host <laughs> if Julie decides to step down, not a former house guest who has no, no experience hosting a nationally syndicated TV show. But, um, I, you know, I, I love going back to do fun stuff like that if it's something unique and cool. Um, but uh, in, in terms of me ever playing again, the only ways that that would increase my variable lack of desire to want to play again would be have to be a shortened season and they would have to pay me up front more than they they probably yeah. should or would.
0: Cause it I just, mean that makes sense. I mean at the end of the day, especially being in the position you're in, you got you got to know your worth. Well, I mean it's simply. Well,
1: it's it's. I agree with that, but at the same time, it's like I am very happy right now. And to say, hey Dan, you're gonna leave your wife and two kids for three months, like, that's a huge no. And then the other thing is, is like, right after that is, hey, you have this show you put on three days a week, you have a new video that hits your YouTube channel every single day, you have a new podcast every Monday, you think if you just walk away for that for three months, it's, you know, things are going to be hunky dory when you get back, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, it's like, that's the stuff where it's like, I'm really happy right now. So like to drastically change that. I mean, it the the value proposition they would have to offer would be astronomical, and I'd mm-hmm. I, it wouldn't happen because you have a lot of house guests that would be willing to go back, and this for is sure, nothing yeah. against yeah. them without that sort of astronomical like offer. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I, get, I have a huge amount of respect for Jesse because here's an individual who he's been on every single season in some <laughs> capacity, but outside of he that... He really is. Outside of that, he's... When I met him and season today, he's like, "Hey, I want to be a wrestler." Well, look at him. He's a, he's been in all these wrestling things and he's done it. You know, it's mm-hmm. I think it's I always find it amazing when someone's able to go on a show like Big Brother Survivor and then take the next step at whatever they're passionate about and mm-hmm. and start going down that road cuz it's very tough cuz there's a lot of times when people will be like, "Hey, why aren't you streaming about Big Brother or why is this guy wrestling?" You know, you know it's just yeah. And so to, to kind of do that and and take the next step, I have an immense respect. Someone like Jeff Schroeder, you know, he wanted to go into hosting. Now I know he's on, I think, some show in Colorado. You know, people, people mm-hmm. can do it. You know, Derek has his show. And it's not even just being a, on it. a show. It's like whatever you're passionate about, anyone yeah. that does that, like you guys, for example, you run this podcast it, because you're passionate about it. To just put yourself out there in that position, I have an immense amount of respect for anyone that does that, you know, because it's... It, it shows that they're they're willing to put themselves out there for something they, they truly enjoy.
2: So that being said, do you have any free time ever based <laughs> on all the stuff you do?
1: <laughs> so it's it's really like really, really slim and sometimes like that's kind of what gets me is I work a lot. And so yeah. I feel like it, it's it's a gift, but at the same time, sometimes it's the thing I need the most regulation on. Like I, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm just always, it's hard. Like I I have a very difficult time. Like I enjoy watching a college football game, but it's rare that I'll watch a college football game and not be responding to comments or it's, it's really hard for me to just do one thing with the exception of the only saving grace. I want to say saving grace. My only exception to that is if I'm hanging out with my wife or my sons that I'm like all in like, but outside of that, I can't really do anything else without thinking about, working on something. it's yeah. So it's good and bad. Um, but uh, in terms of free time, I really don't, you know, I've really, and I'm okay with that. Like I, I don't want to get into to details too much, but like I've been trying to go see Venom with my dad and it's like, just trying to squeeze that in. It's like, it, it's tough, but, but it's, it's tough. But at the same time, like this is the bed that I've made and I'm hundred percent okay with it. So the, if I find free time to go do something, it's going to be at the sacrifice of something else, like probably work. And I'm okay with that. So it's like, it's just kind of finding that balance. And, and I just did a podcast with this guy, his name's Cobalt Streak. And he talked a lot about the imbalance of streaming. And I think because this it's still relatively new, you know, streaming on Twitch, you see a lot of people go through these, these weird phases of like streaming their faces off and then their kind of life gets disorganized and in shambles and and I feel like at some point there's going to be some sort of structure or some sort of system that someone comes up with or loose guidelines that helps people with this. And because you kind of just got to figure it out yourself. But I know it's yeah. a super long winded answer. But in terms of free time, um, the free time that I do have, I, I, I spend with my family and it's super enjoyable.
0: <laughs> well, I, this wasn't where I was going to take it next, but you kind of your reply kind of put me in this spot. So you've written a few books. Mm hmm. And you know your history, you know as a as a coach for sports, you know at, at organized sports as a coach on season fourteen. Clearly, you're somebody that cares about you know doing things, helping people, getting people to the right spot. You did some you know guest speaking at different colleges and stuff after you won. Um, do you ever see yourself? Because you said you just said you know people someone needs to maybe crack a code or figure out a more regimented way to enter the streaming space. Do you see yourself ever maybe writing a book about that or some sort of content regarding that?
1: Nah, never, you know, because it's in the same vein as that I feel like it's different for everyone, meaning that my perspective Mm -hmm. would be like, it would be so different from so many other people because there's people that stream that, you know, they may be single, have no family obligation. There's people that like Cobalt Streak, has a wife and a kid. So there's so many different ways to do it. And I feel like the only way, like, I don't think you can read a book on it. It's like, you know, there's there's this guy I follow and listen to his name's Gary V. And he always says, you can't read a book about pushups. You either do them or you don't. And I kind of feel like that's the same way with streaming. Like, you maybe want to go in with a little bit of insight, but you kind of need to figure it out and figure out what works for you. And to me, it's really taken me five years to even get to a point where I have a remote idea of what I think I'm doing. So I don't know, you know, it's, it's, I don't really, I don't really have a desire to, to coach or teach anyone anymore. If that makes sense. I What I do, I like to like, what I do like to do through the stream is like I said, I like to, you know, I don't want to say influence, but just show people that like, if you think in a little bit different of a way or change your perspective on a few things, you'll notice like an exponential increase in your happiness. So it's like, that's kind of like one of the Easter egg things I kind of do on the show where like, I don't know if people realize that, but like I sometimes like I'll make a conscious effort. Like I'll take like a bad death and I'll, you know, your, your gut reaction is to like throw your hands up and I'm not perfect but I try to like to do stuff like that because I feel like that's a way that you know I can help people and and I will say the only thing I you know I would probably ever coach again is I really truly loved coaching football it, it's like um you know I'd coached at the collegiate level I'd intern in the NFL but I loved coaching high school football because there's like such a huge camaraderie the the mm-hmm. only the big drawback for that is it's a massive time commitment And so it's like balancing that with a family and a business and then streaming and having a YouTube channel is, uh, you know, I don't have room for that right now, but that would be the one thing at some point, you know, I would love to do again.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, growing up my, we, uh, me and my, my brothers and my sister, we all played sports, you know, Mm -hmm. pretty much our whole life growing up, up through high school. Um, and my mom was always very involved and she actually, on multiple different teams would be end up being one of our coaches. Would you ever want to coach one of your kids? Yeah. And 30? I think,
1: I feel like that's kind of what I'm saving him in, in my back pocket. Yeah. It's like, I may <laughs> never coach high school football again, but you better, you know, whether, you know, my son is, <laughs> is playing soccer or football or baseball or joins a chess team, like I'm going to sign up. I'll be like the assistant chess coach, even though, you know, like (laughs) whatever he wants to do, I want to be involved in, in that capacity and not as like a hovering parent, but just to kind of, to be involved. Cause I'm sure like for you, like you don't, you don't forget that as a kid, I'm sure that meant a lot to you. And, and I just want
0: to, you know, be that way for my son as well. Yeah, no, it, it definitely so, left an impact on me for sure. I love my mom.
1: Both, I love both. my dad too,
0: but I love my mom.
1: Yeah, I need to amend yeah, that in so. case case my, my sons ever listen to this. Both my sons, you know, because <laughs> I got a little one and, you know, yeah. he's super little. So you don't, I mean, you think of him the same way, but like I hang out with my older son. We like, you know, we, we, we build things out of blocks and then my other son's like, you know, he's just kind of a baby. So... both sons so both uh, if they ever listen to this I'll coach both sons anyways I just needed to clear that up because that's like a weird thing now is like our parents and grandparents didn't have to and I would say didn't have to didn't have the luxury of doing things like this where you know one day there's a chance maybe someone in your family could listen to this so for that reason I wanted to self-edit in case Desmond or Miles goes back to listen to this anyways go ahead
0: I'm sure if he goes back to listen to stuff, it, I don't know if it'll be this episode. <laughs> I bet he will. Uh, you never know. Uh, I bet well, they will. I in, bet they will. Yeah. <laughs> we should probably get into your stream. If I'm a new person coming to the Dan Giesling show mm-hmm. or, you know, twitch.tv slash Dan Giesling, what am I in store for? What, what, what can I expect?
1: So it's really, really simple. Number one, you need to expect it's going to be extremely clean. So... You know, there's no swearing for me or really the community. The community is amazing because it's I always wanted to be family friendly in terms of you can watch it at work. If you're babysitting, if you're in the car, you know, because there's a lot of people that, you know, for example, Gary V. I love listening to his podcast, but I can't listen to it with my son in the car because he swears a lot, which is fine. But I just don't want to, you know, not have someone not be able to watch because of that. And also because I know my sons are going to watch this one day and I don't want them you know, swearing or being super vulgar. Anyways, with that being said, so clean, super positive, meaning that I want you to come to the show and walk away either smiling or forgetting about anything going on. You you walk away feeling a little bit better. And the third part, if you tune into one of my shows is that you're going to be entertained. I'm going to do some crazy stuff. I have, uh, you know, I I operate the show out of a room that's entirely painted green and I take full advantage of it. Um, you know, we in terms of different overlays and Mm -hmm. I just I try to make it a show. So I don't the big thing in in my head when I started the show is it's not a stream. I don't just sit down and hit the button. I plan a lot out and I put a lot into it in terms of developing an entertaining show. Some things fly and are amazing and people enjoy them. And sometimes I plan something and it's a flop. But for me, I, I just always try to put in a lot of time and energy to make it entertaining. So it's something a little bit more than just sitting at the computer and hitting the stream button, which there's nothing wrong with that type of a stream, but that's why I call it a show because I I try to put on a show.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely, the hard work you put into it shows, and I think ultimately, you know, again, different things work for different people, but I do think that that type of commitment to putting on a show stands out from you know somebody just pressing you know green on their stream button or whatever. yeah
1: and there's no and there's nothing wrong with that but for me it's so important and it's like I get it you know but I feel like this is maybe a competitive advantage I have is that for whatever reason like I'm just wired this way where it's either like a lot of things are binary binary either yes you do or no you don't and like I don't want to give this misillusion like there's it's rare but there's a time ta- there's some times where it's like let me give you this example. So I was streaming a couple weeks ago on a Friday in my studio and I'm like half an hour into the show and the power goes out. And so, you're, you know, you're faced with a decision. Do you find a way to continue the show or do you shut it down? And for me, I'm like, look, people tuned in at this time to expect a three to four hour show. So I'm going to find a way to do it. So I let everyone know. I'm like, hey, look, give me 15 minutes. I'll be live. I ran home, started the show. And it was funny because it wasn't like this same, you know, didn't have the same studio lighting and quality of the normal show because I'm streaming from home and in my basement on like a backup setup. But Mm -hmm. it was funny. I felt like by doing that, I felt a lot of people appreciated the fact that the show still goes on. And not that it to me, it doesn't. It doesn't necessarily matter. It's not one of the first metrics that I that I measure, but from, uh, you know, from a revenue standpoint that happened to be one of the best shows of all time. And I think it's because like the, the community knows I'm dedicated to the community to put on the show. And, and cause, and, and I feel like in streaming, like you'll see people. And like I said, I don't, I'm not, it's not, not from a judgment standpoint, but it's just things that you see all the time be like, Hey, you know, I'm not feeling good today. I'm not going to stream, which I get it. You know, people deal with stuff, but for me, that's just never really an option because yeah, I just, that's not what I want to do. And like I said, I'm not, I'm not here to judge, you know, people have a lot of stuff going on. Streaming's not easy. It can be draining. But uh, for me, that's just, that just doesn't enter my vernacular in my mind because if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it regardless of if the power goes out or whatever happens, you know? So yeah, I mean, super long
0: winded. No, I mean, that's, that's a amazing answer. And a, a great example of just, you know, the dedication, the hard work and, you know, not letting something get in the way. I mean, granted, there are some things that can get in the way, but yeah, of course, you know, but for me, do.
1: yeah, but for me, I know I I'm, I'm never going to stream seven days a week, eight hours a day. So I have to not make up for it. I need to offer something in not in exchange, but in opposition of that. Right. So you're not going to tune in. I'm not going to be live seven days a week for eight hours a day but I am going to, w- when I say I'm going to be there, I'm going to be there. And, and you, you should expect to be entertained during that time. And I'm not going to have an off day where all of a sudden, you know, I'm low energy or whatever. So that's and like, I- that's what I can offer a- instead of going seven days a week, eight hours a day, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah. And I think just the positivity thing, like leaves a huge mm-hmm. impact. Cause I think in today's climate, a lot of people use gaming to like Get certain emotions out like, and it can be a pretty emotional experience. You want to like take a loss pretty hard. You sometimes troll go trolls go on there to like get (laughs) anger out. And I noticed on yours, even taking a loss, you typically laugh it off. And I think that can do more than you think. Just taking that positive spin, having a space for people to tune in and only expect positive things is huge.
1: Yeah, no, I appreciate you saying that, you know, and I'm a believer in whatever you listen to, for the most part, whatever you listen to watch, if you're doing it on like a regular basis, it does have an impact on you. I remember, like I went to Michigan State University, I took this class, it was called like mass media. And there was this theory that it says, I don't know the exact terminology, but it's like this theory of, of mass influence. And it's like, the theory is you'll watch something and you'll be like, oh, this doesn't apply to me or this doesn't affect me. Where in actuality, like there's studies done that it does. You know, the more you watch something, the more you that will have some sort of influence on you. And I feel like, you know, I'll watch some streamers that, you know, for me, I like to watch streamers that laugh it off or you know have fun with it and. There's and it's tough to do that all the time, but I'll watch a streamer and the the needle will start to go the other way and they'll start like complaining like, oh, there was lag or oh, this guy cheated or the, oh, this guy stream snipe And I'm like, more often than not, for me, I'm just like, all right, you know, I'll turn it off just because I don't want to for me, like I just that's not what I want to do and that's not what I want to be around. So I try to do the opposite of like what you said and and I'm not like infallible. You know, there's times like I'm I'm grinding through Dark Souls, too, and I'm stuck on this boss and like there's time like it tests you and I but I enjoy that test where it's like all right you know how how long you know can you keep smiling and and if you can get through like some of these you know tough bosses and dark souls you know it just makes it it makes it fun it's it's a challenge within a challenge um yeah because I don't want to put up this 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 vibe that I'm always like rainbows and lollipops because it takes some work and um but you know, I, I, that's my goal. I always try to do that because I I think it, you know, it it can kind of propagate and and build from there. And, and I believe in this day and age, and I still think we're super early in the streaming world, super early. I feel that it can affect people both in a negative and positive way. And, and, and and if I can use the stream to help people positively, then, you know, that's intrinsically internally. That's what drives me more than a lot of other things.
2: To spin off of that, and I promise this, this last random tangent off no. of <laughs> one of the reasons that I drew Brendan towards your season was listen, this guy loves gaming, loves Kanye West, <laughs> pretty much the same interests as you. To speak on positive influence, how do you feel about Kanye right now?
1: So, so that's the thing in in this climate, and I get it. You know, there is like there's crazy stuff going on in the world. I get it. But for me, like when I look at someone like Kanye, I look at him creatively and I look at the, the things he's created musically, fashion. And for me, the way I look at it, I just kind of think about this one thing, this one time I'll watch interviews with him. I'll watch old interviews with him. I just think he's an individual who's way ahead of his time creatively like music he makes fashion stuff like that and i and i really appreciate that and i always think back to one of his interviews he's like if you ever see me he's like the best thing you can ever do for me is to say thank you you know thank you for creating this and so when i when i think about him you know there's a lot of controversy and, and things he's done politically and and I just I don't look at people in that way because I don't identify with that stuff i you know if if the guy makes good music and I agree with him or don't agree with him politically it doesn't matter to me so if he makes good music and he makes cool stuff that's what I like I'd kind of put the other stuff to the side and I know a lot of people don't think that way and a lot that a lot of people aren't like that but for me that's how I approach it and and to me just because i like someone's music doesn't mean i endorse what they do or not believe in but to me it's like i like his music i like stuff he talks about in terms of like forward thinking and and in terms of like futuristic stuff like he's he's out there like this play, he's out there but i look at all that stuff remove the politics and i enjoy it but i just i, I just feel like for me, I'm not I'm not into anyone's political beliefs, whether mm-hmm. they agree with me or don't agree. I just don't care. Like I don't care what Michael Jordan thinks about Powell. I just don't care. Yeah. You know, but Jordan's I know
2: smash his microphone because he's nodding so aggressively right
1: now. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I mean it's just like you like you guys have your you you guys have your own politi- your own political beliefs. They may be strong, they may be not strong. You may care, you may not care. But what do you care? what Steph Curry thinks like how does Steph Curry shooting threes how does that affect what you believe in politically and I feel like that's that's where I'm at like no one's gonna change my mind or influence yeah. me no one's gonna yeah. turn it yeah. to his
2: creativity yeah that's
0: so, so it's for me like for me Kanye has always been like the like I'm a very creative person outside of this stuff I've I'm just a I'm a person that needs to create I write, I write poetry, I, I, I rap, I, I do all these things. I've always been, I need to be creating something, this podcast, whatever it may be. And he's always been that like, that's the biggest inspiration for me of like, this is a person that like is so passionate, thinks in these ways that no one else thinks, expresses himself in a way no one else does. I'm a big hip hop guy. And you know, when he came in with College Dropout, he brought so much more to what rap was at that time. You know, he he effectively, if he wasn't the stole person, he was one of the big, you know, proprietors of pushing the genre forward into a different light. You know, not to say anything bad or worse for, you know, what hip hop was before that, you know, whether it be gangster rap or whatever else, but Kanye brought something else to the table that wasn't being brought to the table.
1: 100%. I mean... To, to quote him is he's, he, he's the shot of espresso that gets you going in the morning man. It just it's just it, from a creative standpoint, I agree with you. What no matter what you're into, if if you like Kanye, you're hard pressed to say like he's not inspired you in some way. You know, I don't know I know some people don't like him, but my thing is 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 that like he's done a lot of crazy things, you know, the yeah. Taylor Taylor Swift stuff, you know, he does a lot of stuff that's out there, but part of me believes he just does it because that's like just part of him moving things forward i don't necessarily agree or disagree with it but he's just Mm -hmm. i think we're gonna look back when it's all said and done and be like he's one of the people coming out of this hundred year span that is like you know i'm not a beatles guy but is like the beatles or that is like whatever but of our generation and and i think a lot of people will look back when he's gone and be like yo he was that you know
0: i i agree with you i i said this when when he was like in the middle of the of like really in there with the Trump stuff that's been going on. it's in a sunken place.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. I said to Jen at one point, I was like, listen, you know, whether we agree with what he's saying or not, like the stuff that some of the stuff that he is saying, like it, that sounds like something that John Lennon would be saying if he was, you know what I mean? Like it just like lead with love and like all these things. And I think, I think to kind of, it's, it's always been very hard to be a Kanye fan. I feel like I've always been surrounded by people who, just do not like him for whatever reason, whether it's I don't like his music or I don't like how he is outside of the music. I think just in general, America in particular cares too much about what celebrities think or you know, whoever outside of what their thing is. So whether it's an athlete, like you say, you know, Steph Curry, whatever, or whether it's you know someone like Kanye, whoever so it makes it so complicated because it's not an easy answer. You know, there's, there's people like this that have a platform that can push things for positive ways and obviously push things in negative ways, but you have to take it with a grain of salt and take it for what it is and not like put all of your eggs into this person's basket of like, listen, just because I love him creatively, love his music, love this, love that doesn't mean that, like you said, I don't stand by everything he believes in or says or does though even though some of his stuff can be taken certain ways, I like from watching him closely over the years, whether it be interviews or other things, like I don't feel like any of the negative stuff being attached to him is necessarily what he is trying to do.
1: Yeah. I mean, here's, here's my thoughts on that. I feel like if you're not into Kanye and you may, you may have never listened to his music or ever, he makes it hard for someone who knows nothing about him to like him because you're only going to find like these radical headlines. So I get it. He makes it tough. um, You know, whether you believe in what he says or not, but at the same time I also believe in not putting someone in a box. So when I say that stuff about Steph Curry's like political views or whatever, you look at someone like LeBron and LeBron, you know, he's, He's made a movie, you know. He made that, you know. He's he's produced that movie. He's got a, a show like uh, where he sits around and talks about social issues. So I think take someone like LeBron. Now he's not just a basket quote just a basketball player. He's doing other things where it's like yeah. So maybe now all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, like he his voice in in different regards outside of basketball may be taken more seriously because he's doing other mm-hmm. things in addition to, it. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just a believer in not putting someone into a box like, Oh, he's only a you know, basketball player, only a rapper. But at the same time to do that, that person's got to do something to show that they're other than what they're just labeled as that box. If that makes sense. Yeah,
0: no, that, that makes total sense. Um, we'll quickly, I know we're getting to that hour mark. So we'll quickly go back into video games and then we'll, you know, we can wrap things up. But-
1: yeah, you guys are trying to get all political on me. I am apolitical. <laughs> no, it's all good. But no, in, in all honesty, like, I, I feel like we live, where, where are you guys from? Uh,
0: Salem, oh. Massachusetts.
1: Okay, you guys from, from Massachusetts. I feel like we live in a great country. It's a, you know, it's a tumultuous time. But at the end of the day, you know, there's we live in in a great country where you can protest, you can vote. There's just, you know, yeah, there's, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on, but I feel very fortunate to live in the United States of America and be born here and, you know, and be a citizen. So that's about as, that's about the only political stuff you're going to get. And that's what (laughs) me saying, like, I know there's, there's crazy stuff going on. I'm not turning a blind eye to that. I just, you know, it's like perspective. You know, I, I try to always look at what's good going on now and if there's bad stuff is there anything i can do to help and then if i yeah. can i do it absolutely um, so
0: mm-hmm. some of the games you stream magic the gathering escape from tarkov is a huge thing on your channel dark souls slay the spire mm-hmm. uh, you know pubg stuff like that is there is there a method to what games you choose to play does your does your community play a role in what you you no know, stream going forward or how does that work out for you? Yeah, or do you just stream things that you want to play.
1: No, you know, it's it's really interesting because we talked earlier about not caring what people think and that's from like a confidence level in terms of, you know, not letting people in my real life, which I, I don't want to paint this picture, but cuz it's not like that, but internally you think, "Oh, I wonder what this person thinks." I got to a point where I didn't care. So then it got to a point where I care what the audience thinks, what the audience wants to see, because at the end of the day, that's what matters. You're creating a product or you're creating a show that, you know, you want people to like. So I always take that into account. But for me, kind of my approach, what's been successful is I operate in what I like to call the white space, right? So you have the top level games, you know, like, like triple A games, like, and here's a perfect example because not everything I do works. And sometimes I, whenever I deviate from my beliefs, it, it, I, I do something that kind of reinforces it. So like you have a game like Red Dead Redemption 2 came out. Everyone loves the game. Everyone's playing it. A lot of people are streaming it. So I try streaming it. And for me, it just didn't work because people were excited to see it. But that's not a white space type area. I like to play games like a tier down So maybe like a tier two or tier three game from viewership where there's a couple of things. One, you have a maybe from a fourth wall breaking business side, you have a greater chance of people just naturally finding you. And two, there's less people covering it in general. So I like to operate in the space and play games that a lot of isn't like the top line Twitch games.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: But also with the same line, like... I don't choose the game based on that. I have to be able to play it and enjoy it and be able to put a show on with it. And with Red Dead Redemption, I enjoyed it. I think a lot of people w- liked watching it on the channel, but I couldn't put a show on with that game because there's a lot of narration, there's a lot of story, and so yeah. so for me, like I, I always try to play games like so. Escape from Tarkov is one of those kind of white space games where there was some room for growth and I really enjoyed it meaning I could play that game forever because there's a lot of, a lot of things different about it there's you can permanently lose your loot it's very difficult and then a game like Dark Souls, like I just make up the story as we go, you know, like all this lore from Miyazaki that he writes, it's all to me, it's all fake, like we have this character and he's, he's got a backstory and whenever we pick up item, you know, it's just you can, I can create a narrative. So one of the underlying things I've found internally, and I feel like that maybe the audience enjoys seeing is that I like playing really difficult games because I'm not the greatest at the game, you know, I don't think people tune in to watch me play Tarkov because I'm the best Tarkov player in the world at best. I'm like slightly above average, but mm-hmm. I like playing difficult games because that's what kind of gets me going a little bit, you know? And, and so I don't know. It's, there's not an exact science, but I found out that's, what's worked for me is to play games that, that I enjoy that are difficult and that are not in that tier one, triple a style game, because then there's some room to grow. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah. yeah that makes sense. Where, you know, maybe some of that content would fit better on your game tune stuff if you, you know, did Red Dead on there or something like that. hundred
1: percent, hundred percent,
0: which uh, I, I
1: laugh ironically because it's just ironic. And I was going to talk about this on my side, but just some fourth wall breaking stuff. So, you know, people were I when I say I'm going to do something, I don't like to go back on it. So when I said we're going to play Red Dead Redemption, I had to take a step back and be like, all right, hey, this isn't working. So I had to, you know, deliver the news to the audience like we're not going to play it. And, you know, I knew some people are going to be disappointed and I don't take that lightly, but ironically enough, like literally the next day, Game Tune, which is this, this European, it's long story, but it's a company that I create <laughs> exclusive content for. They're like, Hey, we want you to make Red Dead Redemption videos for us. I'm like, All yeah. right. you know, I gotta like deliver that news <laughs> to the, the community too. But anyways.
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel like something like Red Dead, you could always, once they launch the online aspect, that could be a way to revisit it on your content.
1: Yeah. And like, that's a perfect game where like a year from now, I would consider going back and playing because at that point, everyone's already played it. And now there's not a lot of people playing it anymore. if that, Or not a lot of people playing the story mode anymore, if that makes sense on Twitch. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, so are there any games coming out this year still that you're excited to introduce your channel and if you obviously you know reveal it in specific ways and don't want to say it now you don't have to do that
1: uh you know in terms of like upcoming releases not off the top of my head you know i'm always always looking for things um but the way the show is set up now i always start the show with the first part of the show is playing escape from tarkov i don't ever really see that changing in the near future but the second part of the show is always play a single player game and right now we've been having a lot of fun and success playing the dark souls Uh, Dark Souls trilogy or the Dark Souls style game. So I think that'll continue. But I've also kind of picked up that the audience needs a break from the Dark Souls game. because I went from Dark Souls remastered right to Dark Souls two. So I think what I'm going to do here on out, I'm going to like go Dark Souls after I finish Dark Souls two, I'm going to play a shorter single player game. And I think that that'll, you know, give people a break and then get reinvigorated to go back to we'll probably do Dark Souls three. So I don't know what that game is next, but I just know the criteria I'm looking for is it's going to be a shorter, maybe 10 to 20 hour game. And so that could be anything. I just, you know, it's, it's cool. Like I'll get, I'll get an email. Like I got an email this morning about this platformer, you know, cause one of my favorite games i played in the past five years is Cuphead. I, did you guys play that at all?
2: No.
0: Um, I'm wearing a Cuphead shirt right now. <laughs> cause I wasn't sure if you, Gonna have a video component to this, so I'm like dressed for the occasion, of oh, course. Oh my, dude, that was um. like
1: just amazing! <laughs> like, I what a like, I like playing stuff that's different, right? Like, I don't want to play a game that's reskinned in a different environment. Like, Cuphead was extremely unique. Like, it, how can I don't know how can you say anything? I can understand, but this is my bias. How can you say anything bad about that game? It's too short, you wish it was longer, you know what I mean? Like, what's yeah. like-
2: I wouldn't dare attempt that game just because I'm what? such a noob. No, you gotta like, play from an, it. From an artist perspective, like just seeing how it's drawn, like blew me away. You it's should play so it. It's so fun to watch. Play I know it. I should try. It's it'll be a disaster. <laughs> it, like, would be great. disaster. it would be
0: great. It'll be good content. Yeah. You'll get uh, hooked. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> we we discovered Cuphead initially like I wanna say maybe twenty thirteen is when they first showed it off at E three, and then it was at PAX East the following year. And uh you know, we, we were like, we had our finger on the pulse for that game forever. We were hooked. We could not wait. And I mean, it took a few years for it to finally to come out, but that cuphead, that game changed me. That I, game was,
1: it's just, it was, something special. yeah, you just, I, I just feel like in gaming there, there's probably a handful of games every year that do something different. And to me, those are the games that I always enjoy. And, you know, that that game did something different. And it's funny. There's this not to give you guys like a super fourth wall backstory thing. There's this there's this place in my hometown called Greenfield Village. And every year they do this like Halloween special thing where you walk around. It's like an old town, but it's like a museum type thing. And you go outdoors and there's this there's this projector. And on Halloween where they play like old, super old Halloween cartoons and mm-hmm. like, I always look forward to walking by that as a kid because it's just it's something you would never watch. And when I saw Cuphead come out, I'm like, that's like those old time cartoons, yeah. except you get to control it. And <laughs> it was such such a fun experience. And I'm so excited for the DLC. When does that come out? Uh, like hundred years?
0: Sometime 2019. I don't think they have a set date on it. Yeah, uh, I don't know how much you've dug into like that game in particular, but like all of its hand drawn the music is like all composed by like a, like a band. Yeah. It is a, it is. Oh my God. It's something special. But, but some of the stuff that you're referencing there with like the old timey cartoons and the how, like the dancing skeletons, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like those were all direct influences that the creators were like drawing from when they were creating some of the stuff.
1: It's just, it's so cool. I mean, and and like, here's the thing, like when they were making this game, there's no internally, I bet they're like, oh, we know this is going to be a smash hit. They're probably like, oh, this is a huge risk. Are people going to want to play these old, goofy looking cartoons? You know what I mean? And that's what I yeah. like people that to come full circle like yourself. You put yourself out there. Is anyone going to like this podcast? I don't know, but I'm going to continue to do it and get better mm-hmm. at it and see what happens. And I feel like same thing with Cuphead. You know, did, did maybe they have an idea it's going to be a success? Yeah, after they launched the trailer. But up to that point, how do they know? you know, yeah. it's, it's just uh, so anyone that takes chances to do something different, I'm always a fan of. And I feel like cuphead is like the embodiment of that.
0: Absolutely. that I find myself gravitating towards a lot, especially in the, you know, the last maybe five years or so. Like I'm a, yeah. I'm a huge gamer. I celebrate gaming on, on every, every genre. I, I play as much as I can, but in the last five years, I've gravitated a lot towards indie games. Mm-hmm. They're just small development studios, like cuphead, stuff like that. And, uh, it's because of that. It's like you have these people that are super passionate, taking risks, and, you know, in a lot of scenarios, not all, but in some, it's like, this is make or break. If this doesn't do well, this might be, okay, we got to go back and, you know, wait tables or whatever it may be. And uh, I think there's, a, not not to say that at AAA studios, there aren't passionate people putting their heart and soul into stuff, but I feel like there's something a little bit different for people that are like, this is everything. If I don't, if this doesn't work out, you know, there's a lot of risk, a lot of risk.
1: Yeah. You know, and you respect it. And, and, and I think you, you like hit it with A because like I was pleasantly surprised too, just to just talk like real quick about another game is, uh, you know, I've never really been into Assassin's Creed. You know, I, I did, just didn't, just didn't pull at me, but uh, I did a Twitch bounty for Odyssey. And I'm like, wow, like this is a little bit different and it's a lot of fun. I don't know if you guys have played Assassin's Creed Odyssey, but it, it, it's fun. Like they, they made, they made it fun. And I think, I don't know, it's, it's interesting because you see stuff like that. And it's like, sometimes like when a studio takes a break from a game, instead of putting one out every single year, that's when it yeah. gets really good. You know, like, like even like, I mean, call of duty, I hadn't played call of duty in forever. Like, and people will like, you know, maybe cringe or whatever, but like this call of duty is a lot of fun. They did a nice job with it. And it but I'm, I don't I'm sure they still, crank out one a year but like yeah it's just i'm with you on that if you people take a, uh, people take risks you know i root for them
0: because i would nothing's uh guaranteed yeah no you're 100 right there i'm the same way with call of duty though i don't really check into that series often but this newest one black oak mode was kind of the thing that pulled me in i was like eh, let me give it a shot and me see what's going on yeah but it, it's it's fun no doubt um I would, if you haven't heard of or seen The Messenger, are you familiar with this game?
1: Yeah, I was like, so I I saw it when it came out (laughs) and I'm like, yo, this is like right up my alley. And I I feel like a game like that, I didn't miss the window because we talked about like playing, not playing a game when it first comes out, a AAA game. However, I feel like with a game like The Messenger or Cuphead, like that's when you want to play that game. I'm just saying from my internal experience on Twitch. Because then, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's going to be super successful because people want to see it. And I, f- I don't want to say I feel like I missed a boat on that, but that's definitely in my like radar of games to play because I heard it's just like uh, Ninja Gaiden, more or so
0: less. So yeah. it, it is. I, we actually, I had the pleasure of interviewing the creator a few episodes ago. Oh, nice, um, man. That, that game for me, like, I don't know, you ever play Shovel Knight? I did. I love that too. That was like yes.
1: that was like a tear, like a hair lower than Cuphead. Not to take anything away from Shovel Knight, because Shovel yeah. Knight came out first. That was like amazing when it came out.
0: Yeah. So like Shovel Knight, Cuphead, those games to me are like in a separate level of what yeah. what a game can be. I I put the Messenger right in that category. Like it is for me this year. Like in a year where there's tons of games that people would you know argue is the best game ever made or, or game of the year whether it be like monster hunter world or god of war spider-man red dead redemption 2 whatever the messenger for me personally is my game of the year that game like blew me away
1: wow okay it's
0: like the animation is is ridiculous the the music is so well done the it's very similar to ninja Gaiden, but it's so much deeper than that it pulls from so many other like great retro games and in big ways and small ways but it also feels like a modern game like how cuphead and shovel knight they look and sound old but they play modern yeah um it you wouldn't expect there to be a deep story here or witty dialogue and it is like had me laughing like there's some twists and turns in the plot and it's not like groundbreaking but it was like Holy shit! Like, oh, damn it! I went this whole episode. <laughs> so close, so uh, close. But I mean, that's how. That's how. uh, That's how much it affected me. Did Jen? Did Jen watch you play it, or did Jen? Play uh, it? Yeah. I, I mean, I played it constantly.
2: It's on your switch. Yeah. Yeah. i see you play were, it. Jen, were you into it or no? Uh, is this shovel knight we're talking about?
1: The messenger. No, the
2: messenger. Oh, messenger. Um. Yeah, I mean this is me. Uh, being that, the that, that, gamer. That's,
1: that's a no. It's like the light,
2: a... <laughs> it's like the blue light that keeps me up at night.
1: Jen, what are that's you what games what games have you enjoyed in the past couple years? Like do you have a favorite that's on the top Ooh. of your
2: head? I don't know. Like I'm just such a reluctant gamer. Like I stick to old stuff that I used to play. So like I always hound Brendan to like find a way for me to play Toe Jam and Earl again. Respect. Okay. <laughs> so you you grew up with uh, Genesis. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So PlayStation One, Sega, Nintendo, those
1: guys. So, you know. so okay. PlayStation One. We Nintendo. we played but,
2: Behemoth but, games. Was it Behemoth games? Yeah. I I, are you familiar with Castle Crashers? I'm sorry,
1: I'm, with I'm sorry, you broke up. I'm Familiar
0: with what? Uh Castle Crashers. Yeah, yeah. That's that's yeah. A, yeah. yeah.
2: Super fun game. Yeah, I
0: brought her into that. Okay, I got you. Well, I feel like it's a good paladin. I'll sporadically
2: drop in. Like, I really want to play Cuphead, but I don't think I would bring any value to that game other than spinning around in circles no, but I, th- I think you would the enjoy game would, something like that yeah the game
1: yeah. would bring a lot of value to you just pl- just yeah. play and like mm-hmm. try messing with the difficulties you know
0: the, the thing with cuphead in particular i feel like it is a very challenging game but i feel like as somebody like like jen's very big into art i feel like on that side it would be like playing around in a digital art book like yeah. that's the value that's i think you would take from that
1: yeah well, cool. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna put an ask out there for Jen if, if I were to play the messenger on the show, if she would watch. But she's not into it, so I'm not, I'm not gonna put the ask out there. I, I mean, there you
2: go. I can be swayed. <laughs> I got swayed to play Mario Party
1: the other day, so. Uh. Well, yeah. I'm Mario swayed. Party, like that's like to me like a, a low barrier of entry game. That's no no offense, but like oh, if yeah. you no, say no to Mario there's
2: no Party, skill. there's zero skill in Mario <laughs> Party. It's perfect.
0: It's debatable.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, cool, Did you win? Man.
2: Came in second.
0: Okay. Think a cool so, second. I, maybe, maybe there's a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we are, we are over that time, Dan. I don't want to hold you too much. The last thing mm-hmm. that I'm going to ask you, which shouldn't be a long answer, and then we'll, we'll wrap things up, is it's become a thing every time we have a guest on. So now it's just a thing I ask everybody. Do you eat fast food at all or no? I do. Okay. So, like, do you have – because we have, like, this whole tier system and, like – basically Hit if me with you it. if you were going to like get some fast food ideal scenario every fast food joint is on one street where is Dan pulling into so
1: in the state of Michigan i believe there are less than 5 locales i'm going to say less than 3 locales that offer quite possibly the finest chicken sandwich invented oh okay and um so it's it's a rare occurrence. So anytime I go down south or if I travel, I always go way out of my way to get one. But there's two. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go a chicken and I'm gonna go beef. Chick fil okay, A right. is an extreme rarity in Michigan, and they're so good. So mm-hmm. I would go Chick fil A. You got a couple. You you can't go wrong with the spicy or the normal. Of course. Or have you? Do you guys have Chick fil A in Massachusetts? We have oh, a few.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. We're going yeah.
1: Going 5 minutes away. Oh, okay. The, don't 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 <laughs> take that for granted. So that or anytime the rare times that I go to LA, the first stop is In-N-Out. I feel like those are the the top tier fast food burger. Don't don't come at me with the Five Guys nonsense. That's Ooh.
2: But we've never been to In-N-Out. So I have been in Melbourne. See, I've not. Okay. Yeah. You can't compare.
1: The thing uh, there's some great things about In-N-Out number one, the standard is so good, but they have a hidden menu, right? So you can go there and order something, it's not on the menu, you gotta know about it. So like, there's all sorts of, there's like deep lore to in and out And just trust me, an in and out <laughs> burger will go toe-to-toe with your favorite burger and probably destroy it. So, what, what's your guys' tier one unbeatable, one-stop location?
0: It's so it's tough. I would. So when I said we have this dumb tier system, like we would put like Chick-fil-A would fall into like the like McDonald's Burger King. What? What? I I would put it in that Wendy's. Yes, I would put those here above. No, I would put it. No, in in regards to like, (laughs) I'm not saying it's the food is comparable, just that it's in that level of categorization. That's That's how we would put it together. Jen is, in- Jen,
1: is is, is Brandon speaking great. for you? Okay,
0: <laughs> I just want to make sure he's speaking, for, not speaking for you. Uh, so we would put In and Out with like Five Guys, Tasty Burger, Shake Shack, like in a step above because they're a little bit more. I'd
2: put Chick Fil A in that same category, hundred uh, percent.
0: You didn't make the tier system.
2: Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we we can maybe look at amending the tier yeah, system the down line, is the line, but
2: system.
0: yeah. But hey,
1: look—you invented the system. I'm just—I'm just playing within the confines of the system. So you say, so like, I'm—I'm I'm, so I, what is that tier two? You think Chick Fil A is tier two?
0: Yeah, I mean, we can. Chick Fil A is an outlier because it's not available everywhere. It's—it's it's not like a like we don't have like, Hardee's around here. So that doesn't usually get brought up are you a lot.
2: out on Hardee's? I don't think that's don't, a thing you miss out on. I don't
0: think so. Or like a Carl's Junior? Those are the same yeah, thing? I don't, I don't even know.
2: I don't think so.
0: Can we just all agree that none of these are called restaurants? As I hate when it's like, like McDonald's calls itself a restaurant. It's, I don't know if it's a restaurant. But it is. It,
2: you can dine in. Yeah. You if you, if, in if there's a, a
0: table and chairs there. there
2: Who are we to be snubs? Yeah. <laughs> all
0: right. I right, stand corrected. Jeez, oh, I gotta re- rework this whole thing.
1: No, uh, but it's you invented the the tier system, so I'm you know I can't criticize you for that. You know?
2: So then, it, if we're calling it fast food, it's like Chipotle, Cadoba,
0: Yeah, I mean, they are, but like not not, a lot of people, we are, but not a lot of people throw those in because so basically the way this whole thing started initially was that we always wanted to just get up. We wanted to figure out like a a way to, to make this happen, where a bunch of us would just start in a different spot and all pick up just cheeseburgers from all these places, meet in the middle, and then like taste them all side by side and really put an end to like, all right, who's got the best burger here?
1: I mean, you don't have to, I, don't to, have to do that. that. I'll tell you, it's in and out. <laughs> <laughs> say fair.
0: fair enough. Have you ever had Tasty Burger? I think that's a Massachusetts only chain.
1: I don't know if I mean, it's outside of. I hey, mean, I I mean no offense to the franchise or even to you, but like that sounds like and I have a bunch of friends that are Canadian so I always make these jokes like their Taco Bell is called Taco Time and I feel like our good burger place <laughs> in Canada would be called Tasty Burger or whatever you call it, Tasty Fair Time. enough. So, fair enough. No, I love I love Canada. Canada has some great spots, but that's just little tiny we have a lot tongue. of listeners in canada yeah
0: we
2: do <laughs> Ugly it's, enough it's weird and we're not nice so i don't know how we resonate with well if you ever
1: go to toronto one of the best non uh non fast food burgers I've ever had is the library pub in toronto you will okay it's really good i don't know if you ever go to toronto i don't know if i'll ever go again but if there's a listener that's in the toronto vicinity go to the library pub it's amazing
0: Interesting. i'll have to check it out but to, to quickly answer having had in and out burger Mm-hmm. I think I would still put five guys above it.
1: You've had In-N-Out. I,
0: I have had In-N-Out. Yes.
1: Mm. Well, it was from a f- just, In-N-Out just, food truck. Just host. delete the podcast
0: and don't publish it because I
2: <laughs> not done respect here. No.
0: <laughs>
1: I respect it.
0: Uh, but Dan, really, we appreciate you coming on. This is a, obviously a big deal for Jen, being a super fan, and it's a big deal for me just because you know you're you're somebody that that I respect both from Big Brother from what you're trying to do and building your brand outside of that. And, uh, you know, you're a busy guy. So taking a slice out of your day to do this, you know, it means a lot to us. It means a lot to our, our listeners. And really, I do appreciate that.
1: No, my pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you guys so much for inviting me. And uh, the pleasure was all mine.
0: But the last thing before we go, anything you want to plug? Any links, social, you know, Twitch website? Anything you want to plug or have things coming up? Yeah, yeah, de- yours?
1: yeah, definitely. If if you're listening to this podcast, I have a podcast that comes out Monday, every Monday morning. It's on iTunes, Sound SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify. It's called the Dan Giesing Podcast. I interview a lot of friends that uh, that stream, and uh, also do probably every couple episodes, I'll do like a. Kind of audio journal of kind of what's working in my world, what's not, what's you know taking L's and and just really kind of if you want to go behind the scenes with what I'm doing, that's uh that comes out every Monday and then I stream Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays on Twitch.tv slash Danke. And we go live at 1 p.m. Eastern, and uh, that's where you can tune in and see some clean, positive entertainment uh, three days a week. And uh, thank you guys so much for uh, for having me on.
0: Yeah, oh, thanks again, Dan. To. And uh, thank you, listeners, for tuning into this week's episode of the Best of Podcast.
1: See you guys. Podcast. In and out, greater than five guys. Later. <laughs> <laughs>